This is the fourth dead Markab in three days. How do I know this isn't a conspiracy on the part of your world to destroy my people? And everyone's looking for someone to blame. Millions die and no one remembers the lessons we've learned. Hello and welcome to Who Are You, a Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other and will continue to get to know each other while rewatching one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And we're going to talk a bit about Star Trek Las Vegas. Yes, we haven't got to recap that for everybody yet. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't get to do it last week because I was out with the vid mm-hmm. and Ben gracious as ever filled in thank you ben for giving me a week off i needed it and really appreciate it and also it was kind of surreal and fun to listen to my podcast without me (laughs) Uh, it was a unique experience i made a point of listening to it before i watched the episode because i will never be able to do that again presumably Uh, that's true yes okay (laughs) so i i took full advantage to get as much of a different experience of our podcast as i could Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad you enjoy our podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was a, it was a good listen. And it made mm-hmm. me want to actually go watch the episode, which I was not super keen on because I don't, it's not like I resent anything, but I was just ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it definitely gave me, it's like, oh, I want to go watch that episode. Uh, it gave me the energy, really drove me to it. So yeah, it was, it was a cool experience that I hope you don't have to experience one day unless you want to. For whatever reason. <laughs> right, um, I right. I was going to volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. But it is totally something that you should do and something I recommend to other podcasters who may be listening. Yeah. And I really appreciated Ben stepping in and filling your shoes. He did a great job. Yeah. Ben's great. Mm-hmm. Good um, friend. I mean, as, as I've recorded 150 hours of podcast with him. So yeah, uh, he, he fit right in. He knew He knew my jokes. He made some <laughs> of the same jokes I would have made. So it's good. He did a great job. Thanks, Ben. But where Ben wasn't, and I'm saying this now that I've said nice things so I can make him jealous, was Star Trek Las Vegas. <laughs> it's true. He could not fill these shoes. So we've got we've to gotta run it down for everybody. Yeah. We, we met for the first time. Mm-hmm. We were originally, I think I even said on radio, the plan was to record it and put it on. And then if something terrible had happened uh, to the audio quality, we wouldn't be able to. And that was 100% the plan. Until we ran into each other in a hallway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like standing in the hallway waiting because I didn't have the fancy captain's pass or whatever you all had. Mm-hmm. And so I'm waiting in the hallway just to you get, know, your day get, my, yeah. get my day pass. And all of a sudden I'm like, I hear my name and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> there's Jafar. <laughs> yeah, I, Beth and I were there. We had walked past you. And I'm all like, mm-hmm. we had gotten maybe like 20 people down the line. And I'm like, that was Laura. <laughs> and that's all like turn around dummy <laughs> like go say hi <laughs> i i hadn't noticed you so you could have gone on and i would have had no idea but um, i appreciate that you came back yes well i was kind of just like was that it must have who like right and yeah. and then of course i was pointed proper uh, by <laughs> beth who is 100 percent correct then go say hi um <laughs> so yeah very sweet yeah no, and it was uh, it was a grand old time. 
we went to the Greatest Generation podcast meetup, which mm-hmm. was, that was so really cool. loud I could not hear myself think. Yeah, that's true. It was very loud, but it was so cool to like meet people that I've kind of you know Have spoken interacted to a little bit on the internet. On the right. internet, yeah. <laughs> I am not active at all on most of the Greatest Generation social medias. Mm-hmm. has evidenced by Ben being the one who was all like, hey, there's someone named Laura who wants to start a Babylon 5 podcast and <laughs> hollered at me about it. Yeah. But it was cool. I definitely recognized some names and had a great time and made some new friends. Yeah. I really enjoyed the community, yeah. especially everyone from the Greatest Generation community that I met. Mm-hmm. I wound up just being, you know, just being in that tangential Greatest Generation friend verse that was there, uh, mm-hmm. getting to go to a couple of after parties that were pretty cool. Um, yeah. One of them was being hosted by the Mission Log podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we went to the um, Star Trek wines tasting together, you, me, yeah. Beth, and my husband, Aaron. Like, Yeah, we got this... to try the world premiere of Romulan Ale, which was a yeah. blast. Except they, you can't call it ale legally. Yes. Because <laughs> it is a vodka. And apparently it is a vodka. Yeah, but I, I just had so much fun with the community. I saw some panels. I went to a few. <laughs> I went to a lot of panels. Um, yeah. That was my bread and butter at the con. That is one of the reasons I went was to attend a ton of panels, and I'm mm-hmm. super glad I did. George Takei gave an excellent hour, just very uh, somber. Obviously, a lot of it, Nichelle Nichols has just recently passed, so a mm-hmm. lot of it was directed towards her. His hour was someone had asked a question about Nichelle, I think. And then the rest of the 40 minutes was him talking about every cast member in the order of their passing and the impact they had on his life. Oh, that's very sweet. And just talking for like 20 minutes about Leonard Nimoy showing up at the first performance of Allegiance, like Mm -hmm. in a wheelchair because he was barely eight, like he was so sick then. And just like how important everyone was and what a family they all were. And it was super... Super heartwarming and uh, super sad. I caught a little bit of Walter Koenig. Yeah. Um, How was his? And his was good. It was just the whole time I sat there, I was feeling very trippy because every time I hear Walter Koenig speak in not the Russian accent, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I hear Bester. And yeah. so I was just sitting there watching old Bester <laughs> <laughs> speaking on stage. And all, that's all I could think about the whole time. Slowly messing with everyone's minds. Yeah. <laughs> he had very nice things to say about Nichelle Nichols and talked about some of his experiences. He had a hard time hearing when people asked him questions, like a really hard time. But he was a real trooper about it. Like he would just have yeah. the, the person on stage with him, like say it in his ear so he could answer their question. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's very sweet. Did you have any celebrity moments outside of panels? Like talking to celebrities or We're seeing, seeing celebrities. Like, I've got like five stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know some of yours. Um, yeah. Well, I almost ran into Anson Mount. Like was not paying <laughs> attention in the hallway. Like, you know, I was on my phone. It was before yeah. Aaron had gotten there. So I wasn't really with anybody. Mm-hmm. And then there's these people just booking it down the hallway. And I dodged really quick. And I realized, oh, it's Anson Mountain, his handler. <laughs> 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 I think they were on the way to the Strange New Worlds panel. But I was not paying attention, so I almost almost got run over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? Well, the first like Thursday or Wednesday night or something it was, 
uh, we ran into Terry Farrell outside of an elevator. Yeah, yeah. And I was completely starstruck. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I, I just couldn't form words. But she was super nice. Everyone was super nice. Um, did I tell you about Denise Crosby almost making me cry? No, tell me about that one. <laughs> so we had a nice dinner at a steakhouse one night. And Denise Crosby was at the bar with, I'm guessing, her handler or a friend or something. And was just like drinking and shooting the shit, right? Mm-hmm. And so that it's like, you know, get your space. You have fun. Like, I've always been of the mind, like, if you run into a celebrity or something. Um, and this has happened to me before in like my childhood. This is the like the example my dad said. I remember I was like 15 or 16 and we were at a hibachi place for my birthday. And at the table sat one of the Detroit Lions. Mm. It was like him his wife and then like me having my birthday there with them (laughs) you know and my dad was always just like you just treat them they're just a person you know everyone's a Mm -hmm. person just treat them like people and don't ignore don't acknowledge anything don't ask them for their autograph or something you know and my dad was just like at the end of dinner shook his hand and was like good luck this season oh you know like and that's it you know just like an acknowledgement and so i've always been of the mind that's what you do right Mm -hmm. like you just let them be a person. They're existing. They don't owe you anything by being at this convention. Yeah, sure. And the amount every actor I ran into just put out. Denise Crosby saw a little girl in a uniform sitting at the table next to Beth and I, like a table Aww. over from us. Uh-huh. And she waved. Mm-hmm. Denise Crosby came over and spent 10 minutes telling this little girl to live her dreams. She could do anything she wanted in her life. No. Talk to her about her favorite Star Trek was all like, who's your favorite character? And she's like, Janeway. And she's like, oh, I love, you know, I love Catherine, all this stuff. And just goes on, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Kate's such a great person too, you know, and all this stuff. And just like reinforced everything and was just the most wholesome thing. Oh. I was almost brought to tears by it at like my fancy, like I'm eat, literally like eating a nice steak and drinking wine and almost crying while this is going on. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> it's so adorable. At one point, I held an elevator mm-hmm. and Sirac Lofton jumped in. <laughs> and That's awesome. And was, he's just like going to his room, right? Like we're not going up to anywhere where there's stuff. We're going to the where you stay area. Mm-hmm. And he was just so nice. He was just like, there was someone in Kira cosplay and he's like, major, good to see you and stuff. And like, just <laughs> did the whole cute. thing and was super nice to everyone. And no one had even said anything to him, mm-hmm. you know, and he just approached all of us and was super congenial and just super great to be around. Yeah. He seems like a nice dude. Yeah. He's super great. On the last day, we were hanging out at the Bally's bar and we were mm-hmm. trying to figure out what we were going to do. This was uh, a greatest gen group. And then we realized that like Tim Russ had just taken a seat over at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and there were a couple people we'd kind of talked to earlier that day. And we were like, mm-hmm. hey, can we sit with you guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we were like sitting, you know, six feet from Tim Russ. But we were not in the same group. Like we were talking in our own group. And we were yeah. trying not really hard not to be weird. <laughs> But just wanted to just like sit in the vibes of Tim Russ. And he was talking to the Roddenberries, like the Roddenberries, the um, the band, yeah, the band were there and they were, they like pulled out one of their guitars and he was sitting there playing their guitar and oh, they were cool. just like jamming together at the Bally's bar. <laughs> yeah. I stayed on the same floor as them. I ran into them all weekend. Oh, nice. The Roddenberries. Nice. And then also uh, Dominic Keating was on our floor, saw him once coming out. Uh And then um, Max Grodenchek's room was two or three down from mine. (laughs) 
Nice. So I like saw him with like his granddaughter and stuff. Oh, yeah, it was super cute. adorable. Yeah. All yeah, right. It was well, a good that's, time. That's a ton of stories from Star Trek Las Vegas. I guess we've uh, made our confessions on Star Trek Las Vegas. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so we can get into season two, episode 18, Confessions and Lamentations. Very nice. Very nice. I have a little bit before this episode. Okay. Because this is not, nothing against Ben. You did a great job, but didn't have quite my level of research I like in an episode. So um, I tried, man. I did. I, so. No, you did good. I'm just, I'm just throwing a little shade. I'm just, I'm just being a dick. Don't worry about it. Um, no, uh, there actually was a bunch of stuff about this episode online about oh, Scientology. Okay. Wait, why? This episode has nothing to do with Scientology, and JMS was like, "I find it abhorrent." Just like. Anytime anyone brought it up, he's just like, why mm-hmm. do you keep bringing this up? Well, he kept, they kept getting brought up because the Markabs are apparently the species of alien in Dianetics, which is the foundation of Scientology. <gasps> it's the no same way. name. He had no idea. Yeah, I didn't uh, either. <laughs> he's just like, if I had known, I would never have used it in the first place. Yeah. Um, this mm-hmm. wasn't me. And a bunch of people, I guess, saw this and were all like, oh, he's saying all the Scientologists are going to die. And it's just like, Whoa. <laughs> No, I'm not. I would never make an episode about Scientology because that might lend it credibility. Hmm. Well, we certainly wouldn't want that, would we? Yeah, right. It was exactly. his stance the entire time. It was just all like, no, I would never entertain the idea of even mentioning Scientologists. They're terrible. So, okay. Yeah. So if you cut word, re- listening to this or you watched it and you thought it had something to do with Scientology because you're familiar with the Markab from that, it is a coincidence. This is not a attack on Scientology. Even though JMS's comments definitely were, um, that was not the intention of the episode. <laughs> he can do that without an episode. He can just yeah. Uh... He doesn't. He would not spend an hour of TV taking down Scientologists. He'll make four posts in 1994 and we'll read them on a podcast 20 years later. Uh-huh. Yeah, 30 years. That's later. a good use of his time for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we start this episode and we're in CNC. There's a Markab transport ship that's 10 hours overdue, and mm-hmm. Ivanova's worried about them. Yep. She and Sheridan decide to send a Starfury squadron, and they're mm-hmm. going to send Zeta squadron out there. It comes up when they're assigning Zeta squadron to this that Lieutenant Keffer's been off doing some off-duty flying time. Yeah, and he's some out- reconnaissance. Yeah, he's out looking for the thing he saw in hyperspace is the implication. Yeah, and Sheridan immediately knows. Yeah, after especially that after episode. last episode, yeah. After after <laughs> yeah. last episode, after seeing the shadows with Mister Borden, he's just like, "We cannot provoke this bear before we're ready to fight it. You yeah. need to mm-hmm. knock this shit off immediately." And he doesn't say it directly like that, but he does just like immediately and unilaterally just put a stop to it. It's all like, "No, that's done. No questions asked, and we're not entertaining this." Done. Yeah. So we go to some Markab quarters. And Dr. Franklin is looking at a dead Markab. There's a Markab doctor there. Lazarin is his name. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that this death is natural causes. But uh, there's been a, quite a few natural causes deaths among the Markab lately. And mm-hmm. Dr. Franklin wants to check it out a little bit. Did you clock the actor under all the loaf? You know, I didn't clock this actor. I clocked a different one later. <laughs> Yeah. Tell me about him. This is uh, Jim Norton. We've seen him before. He's uh, Ombeds Wellington, the judge from season one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, we did clock this one. It was later in the episode when when 
we were like, we've heard this voice before. Yeah. We had. It's Ovid's Wellington. <laughs> yep. This is his second of three characters that he will play in the series. Oh, really? So we're going to get a third. He gets a third. It's mm-hmm. later, and I won't mm-hmm. spoil it. Okay. The character name in itself is a spoiler. So. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll recognize that one. We'll see. <laughs> you will recognize the name, I promise. Well, will I recognize him as the actor? That's the question. <laughs> I had no idea it was the same guy last time when I watched okay. this. But I also was not paying as close attention last time I watched Babylon 5. But yeah, so Franklin's a little bit worried about all these deaths by natural causes. It is statistically mm-hmm, improbable mm-hmm. for this many of any species to die of natural causes that quickly based off their uh, population size. Yeah, yeah. And we get a dramatic candle blowing out to theme. I, I saw this candle thing and I was like, yeah, I've seen these in the 90s. I've seen these at at weddings, you know. Yes. <laughs> the most candles I've ever seen in one place. I have family that is Greek Orthodox. Oh, very, and one very of them proud got candle married. people. Very proud <laughs> candle people. <laughs> Over the course of the four hour something ceremony I sat through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Lots of candles to look at. We cut back on Ivanova briefing the pilots and support crew on the Markab ship, mm-hmm. who gives Kiefer the news of no more trips out, which he is not happy about. Yeah, he doesn't take it great. No. He has to, uh, she has to invoke chain of command a little bit, I think. Yeah, he's all like, there's something out there. And she goes, something out there. There's something in here. Me giving you a direct order. <laughs> oh, such a good line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Yeah, and... They head off to look for the ship. We also get Ambassador Delenn has invited Sheridan over for dinner. Mm-hmm. And this whole scene is just a, a nice, light, good laugh compared to the rest <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's the comedic reef we needed 45 minutes into this episode, not five. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Lanier worked for the this dinner for two days. Mm-hmm. No sleep. Uh, he, he didn't sleep. Bread and water only. You can't assume make that any to ruin mistakes, his palate. Right. Can't make any mistakes or you have to start over. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan's had a long day. He'd love to dig into this. Hasn't eaten lunch, you know, skipped yeah. lunch to work. And uh, no, we've got to meditate first. <laughs> you get one bite and then you get to meditate and then you can have another bite and then you get to meditate. <laughs> yeah. So much ritual and meditation involved in having yeah. a uh, having a friend over to dinner. <laughs> poor Lanier also d- did you see the little like shrimp forks they were eating everything with <laughs> Zeta squad finds the freighter and nobody is left alive all 203 Markab are dead yeah, so they tow it dramatic. back to investigate mm-hmm. like big dummies they throw it in the <laughs> docking bay yeah. like leave it in space like obviously it ends up not mattering mm-hmm. Because the Mm -hmm. infection was already on the station, as we find out in about five minutes. Mm -hmm. But, man, how stupid is this move? Just like, oh, something killed everything inside, so we're going to dock it with the station. Jafar, after living (sighs) for three years in a global pandemic, did you just find yourself going... That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. At this episode, like every two minutes. There <laughs> like... is a line towards the end of this episode from Dr. Lazarus or Lazarin that is like, 
when confronted with a pandemic, society will choose the worst option every mm-hmm. time. And it's just all like, oh, 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 no. Yeah, uh, there was a, a severe lack of like personal protective equipment throughout mm-hmm. this whole episode. <laughs> just like. Lots of no masks when we should probably be wearing masks. Oh, like, uh, the lack of masks. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. we think it's airborne, but we're not sure. Put a fucking mask on. Oh, my God. I'm about to go grab one and put it on. <laughs> oh, this Just episode. Watching, watching this is stressing me out. <laughs> yeah. Sheridan fell asleep at dinner. No, no. I wasn't. I. Uh, luckily, yep. it was after the ceremony had finished, so Lanier didn't have to start over again. <laughs> uh, and he gets called down to space TSA where the Markab doctor is preventing anyone from boarding since their group hasn't been called yet. Sit down, mm-hmm. sir. Your pass says main cabin three, not diamond club. Uh-huh. Franklin shows up and calls bullshit. This, and it's just like, no, no, whatever happened there is what's happening on the station already. Yeah. How contagious is it? How terminal is it? And then we get 100% terminal, 100% contagious. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who touches it dies. It's just like, oh, cool. Um, we get some backstory. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. like to talk about it because it's considered divine retribution slash uh, punishment for sinning. Mm-hmm. Now, got to talk a little bit more about JMS's notes here. Okay. So AIDS is brought up once in a list of diseases by Dr. Franklin. This is 1994. Mm-hmm. The AIDS epidemic is has destroyed, at this point, the gay community in the United States. Yeah, it seems like this episode is headed that direction, right? Like, this is an AIDS allegory? A hundred percent. It is mm-hmm. not explicitly an AIDS allegory. Uh, okay. JMS has a note here, which I'm just going to read word for word. Okay. Because I think it's worth his... His feelings about this directly are worth stating. Sure. Go for it. I will not defend the notion that the episode stated that all Americans felt that AIDS was a penalty from God because I never said that ever in any manner, shape or form. The problem is that some people are so caught up in the current situation that they lose all sense of perspective. Fact is, most people did think the Black Death was punishment from God or the work of the devil, as Franklin says. The Markhabs had a similar belief. Nowhere was that applied in dialogue to humans or to the AIDS situations. The whole point of the episode is not political. It says that if you make a disease political on either side, you're going to die. You have to set all that crap aside and just deal with the problem. The only side this episode took was in advocating compassion for those afflicted. That said, Mm -hmm. uh, it might have been a little fresh to make an AIDS episode at that point. Mm-hmm. He might have not felt felt he could have gotten away with making an AIDS episode at that point. Yeah, yeah. That the uh, the station notes would have come back and been damning. Mm-hmm. Which actually, that period of Babylon Five is about to end. The station sent back tons of notes for seasons one and two on every script. Uh-huh. Starting okay. in season three, they stopped sending any notes. Okay. So about halfway through season three. JMS realizes he's off the hook and starts doing episodes that he wants to do Mm -hmm. much more so than episodes he felt he could get away with. And a lot of these use notes are very much of the time the episode airs, which is important for context. Mm -hmm. 
there's no way this isn't an AIDS episode. Right, right. Like, it's very easy to say, oh, it was just about the Black Death because there's enough overlap in the story you're trying to tell and the situation there. And he is 100% correct. You can't make diseases political because diseases don't have political ideologies. They just kill Mm -hmm. people. Yeah, you were reading, so you probably didn't see my face when you got to that part, but I was making a face. (laughs) Yeah, I... I You know the face. I know the face. (laughs) Yeah, that's... it's. I mean, he's right. And Mm -hmm. the episode also reaffirms that it's a lesson we never learned, which also Mm -hmm. is right. Yeah, there's a lot to to chew on in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When you had messaged me, it was all like, we watched the episode with Owen, and I think that might have been a mistake Mm -hmm. i was just like what's episode is it shit you know like was it real spoopy i thought it was like a scary (laughs) one and then i watch it i'm just like oh oh yeah it's a scary one (laughs) well yes it is especially as a child i'm sure seeing both your parents die yeah the context for him too is that you know he was in kindergarten when he got sent home for spring break and then didn't go back to school for over a year. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I, I was like, oh, geez, there's some some trauma here we're going to have to process together. I mean, we're going to spend <laughs> his whole childhood processing this, right? Like, Yeah, for sure. I probably didn't need to drag this episode into it, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, parenting tips by Laura. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell did you think you were doing? We move on a little bit here. Um, Dr. Franklin asks Dr. Lazarin if it's contagious to other species. Mm-hmm. And he realizes they don't know. He never checked. No one ever checked if it yeah. was possible to spread to any other species. Well, they were too busy denying it existed. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the sinner's plague. And yep. we're all good people here. So how would we know if it got to another species? <laughs> yep. Delend finds a child as they find their dead father. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. We get a conference room where we learn of the disease's incubation period, which can be up to uh, 10 days before symptoms or detection of which you are contagious. Yeah. Huh. That sounds familiar. Too uh, real. We find the disease uh, makes it hard to breathe until you can't. Mm-hmm. Huh. That, uh, that also sounds a little familiar. Uh, you get it. It starts with a sore throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the first symptom. Huh. Uh, they decide to throw the whole station in quarantine and send everyone to the privacy of their quarters. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, but some of the people don't listen and gather at a large group in space TSA. Huh. <laughs> the uh, the Markab ambassador tells Sheridan to get fucked, that this is some mm-hmm. foreigner disease or your sins washing onto us. And we're Did you gonna... clock this guy? Yes. This guy he's... is the Drazi ambassador also. Yeah. He's he's purple or green. Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> okay. Um you know, uh we're gonna get together and pray this disease away. Yeah. Huh. All to all of us in our secluded yeah. area. Get everyone together yeah. in one place so we can pray this away. I can hear you stress. Uh, oh. oh, stress clicking, clicking your my pen. pen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's a habit from grade school that I've never dropped. Um, yeah. 
Ivanova is worried about the thousand or so missing Markab who might be targets for violence. Mm -hmm. Delenn requests to be allowed into the quarantine zone Mm -hmm. uh, to help ease the suffering and show compassion. Yeah. Uh, Sheridan allows it and it's just like, uh, just in case, goodbye forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was heavy. (laughs) That was real heavy. (laughs) If I see you again, please call me by my first name. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And it's like she almost turned and said, okay, John. And then she's all like, I'll save it for later. Garibaldi saves a Marcab from getting beaten up by some racists, proving once again that a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, um, yeah. He even uh, takes the guy's hand and carries him yeah. off to med lab, presumably. Well, I mean, you know, you could also say, I guess uh, Jerry Doyle is the wrong kind of right all day. Hey. <laughs> Political jokes. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. I'll take it. Jafar's back, everybody. <laughs> That's the humor you were all missing. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin stims out and catches mm, a little bit yeah. of shit for it. Yeah. Just a gentle reminder. Hey, uh, you shouldn't. You've had three. That's a ton, dude. Knock it off. You yeah. Just, like, don't go so hard on the meth. I got to cure your diseases. I don't got time to sleep. Mm-hmm. And this is where he mentions uh, Black Death AIDS and Chalmers syndrome, which yeah. I Googled and is a future disease. That's not a thing that exists currently. Yeah, I, I figure they are. There's always, you know. A couple of historical examples and then future disease in these yeah. lists, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did a little bit of Googling and I found a really, really sad story about a kid with a chronic illness whose name was Chalmer and he had another syndrome that was giving him five oh, years geez. to live. And don't Google it unless you want to cry <laughs> is all I'm going to say. Don't Google Chalmers syndrome. Noted. He dives in on Black Death, uh, further reinforcing JMS's notes from earlier. Mm-hmm. The discussion leads to the aforementioned how society treats to choose is the worst option for dealing with diseases. Huh. <laughs> and then we find out Dr. Lazarus was sick the whole time. Dr. Franklin gets his chance to examine someone in the early stages and learn how the disease mm-hmm. works at the cost of his friend dying. <laughs> yeah, that does seem like an important like thing that should have been happening, you know, all along when Yeah. Well, I mean, he's inspected this... a number of the bodies, so he knows he's he's got it at this point. Mm-hmm. He has to be aware. Yeah. Um, in yeah. fact, I think that's why he reacts when how he does when we get the little bit earlier on about it infecting other species cuz he knows he's in the room with Dr. Franklin right then. Like, mm-hmm. did I just get one of my friends sick? Am I a right. terrible person? Should I have worn a fucking mask? The answer mm-hmm. is yes. <laughs> yeah yeah even when they're working on patients there's mm-hmm. not enough personal protective equipment at all no. like in this episode or the the show in general i think but especially the episode yeah so in the isolation zone we cut over there mm-hmm. and delenn and lanier have been trying to counsel and and you know just minister to yeah. the uh all the people there and the little girl who Delenn ran into who saw her father dead Mm -hmm. in the hallway, basically, has also lost her mother now. Well, well, as Uh, if she can't find. Right. Sorry. (laughs) She she cannot find her mother. She has not lost her mother yet. Yet. Uh, This episode. (laughs) 
this episode. Uh, Delenn asks Lanier to help find her mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she Faith manages. Her mother's name. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what's what's her He's, name? Mommy. It's like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. He's just got to go through four thousand markabs to find mommy. It's it's no big deal. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. But this whole thing with Delenn and Lanier for me in this episode is so foundational for their characters like yes it's so important and every scene is very tender and sweet mm-hmm. and just i don't know especially when she's with the child yeah it's really really very uh powerful uh, we go back to metal lab where franklin gets told he needs to go take the kobayashi maru sometimes the test is not to find the answer it's to see how you react when you realize there is no answer <laughs> yeah uh, we find out that the disease did spread to that pakmara and aaron brought up an excellent point here i mean the episode does answer it for us that you know the pakmara green cells and yeah. yellow cells and whatever these things are similar in some way and that's how the disease made the jump but aaron's going aren't they the carrion eaters yes <laughs> yes did this pakmara probably eat a dead markab that was my assumption it's a non-zero chance, right? <laughs> I would say given that the issue we've had with them a couple of times where they're like, well, we can't find the body. It's like, well, now we've got to pump all the Pachmara's stomachs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we don't hear about other Pachmara getting sick, really. You yes. would think that that would come up in the episode if it was that they got it from the airborne nature. There's not a lot of them. And mm-hmm. they pro- they tend to be solitary, I think. I think we've yeah. heard that about them. So mm-hmm. we get a little bit about Franklin uh, hitchhiking in his youth here as well, mm-hmm. which is fun. Uh, yeah, he's got a bit of a Marquette history. Doctor. Yeah. 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 They met 20 some years ago. How is he old enough to have met somebody 20 something years ago? Well, is it's it, wild. Is Franklin like 40? I guess 40? he's in his 40s, maybe. I yeah, he just it. looks so young to me. He might be in his, he might be his late 30s. It might have been like 10 years ago. Well, yeah, yeah especially yeah. after med school. It's probably closer to 10. Yeah. Because he was doing that during the Earth Mimbari War. Yes. Was when he was hitchhiking yeah. around. Because that's when we see that later in uh, the one of the made-for-TV movies. Oh, okay. Him hitchhiking okay. around. I don't think we see him go to Markab specifically, but that's like what he's doing during the war. And I don't remember if I've seen that movie, so we'll have to get there. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the disease sp- did spread to the Pachmara. But this will give them some insight on how the disease works so they can mm-hmm. stop it now. Like they're like, okay, well, it's got to be something that these two species have in common that it's infecting because every human on the station isn't dead right now. Right. We uh, cut back over to Delenn in the quarantine zone uh, where she tells a story about finding her faith and her initial yeah. calling to the religious caste. I was always of the impression that caste was hereditary for the Mimbari, but it might not be. I I don't think I was under that impression, but I, I don't know why I wasn't. I might just be assuming because that is typical for caste How systems it, in sure. human history. So that might be why. I should have researched that. Oh. Well, that's, I, I think there will be other episodes where it'll come up. <laughs> yeah. I think you could do that research. <laughs> there are, there's going to be more about the Mimbari cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a hunch <laughs> uh, um, Dr. Lazarin uh, passes away 
but Franklin cracks the disease. He makes a big batch of vaccines, mm-hmm. runs down to the quarantine zone to start administering them. With Sheridan and Ivanova. Like, he's not even got a medical team with him. Yeah. They're just like, Ivanova and him are carrying It's time. This batches. has to happen now. They're sleeping for the first time in three days. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to go inoculate these people. Yeah. And they open the door, and all of the Mark have are dead. Yeah. Every last one. And we just see Delenn and Lanier slowly come out of the back of the quarantine zone and towards mm-hmm. the door. And this was my moment of HD remaster detail that I had never seen on a previous watching. Oh, Lanier really? is crying. He has tears yes. down the side of his face. He has clearly been openly weeping. And when obviously when he comes to the station, you know, the crew and he's all like, He's very put together. He's his normal self. But mm-hmm. I never noticed that before, whether it was because it was standard deaf or I wasn't paying enough attention. Uh, but I always kind of thought Lanier was kind of a cold asshole at this moment. Yeah. If um, you can't see the tears, I could see the reading of like, he's yeah. just yeah, he's shut just off all like, Oh, it. they're all just dead. You know, and it's just like, it's really cold, man. Like, I was expecting more from you based off all of your interactions with other characters and how you've always been. And seeing the tears, just like, oh, of course he was crying. And he just put himself together to show respect to the captain. Like, mm-hmm. okay. He was horrified. He was yeah. completely horrified. And Delenn breaks down in tears in John's arms. Yeah, and she's saying his name mm-hmm. instead of Captain or Sheridan. She's just saying john 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 and it's just so emotional yeah i cried (laughs) i cried with them (sighs) um because you know it's it's you have a real hint that it's coming especially when we see the little girl like stumble after they find her mother yeah you like you know that these people aren't gonna make it out and it's not just them they have a cure but it's too late Every Mark Hab is dead. There might be some isolated colony somewhere that the disease managed to not spread to, but they wiped themselves out in a matter of weeks. Just the species, the civilization is gone. The news reports on this racist bartender attempts humor. It fails. He's a piece of shit. Yes, he's a bad man. (laughs) And the conspiracy theories start immediately. I heard it was the Vorlons. Nothing Mm -hmm. changes. Huh. Seems we've heard that before. (laughs) Fuck this episode. (laughs) Before you even ask me, fuck this episode. I didn't, once again, did not write down a rating. Because this goes on the list of episodes that are good at making me feel bad. Yeah. I I had this feeling earlier today when I was thinking about our conversation today. I was like, this is going to be one of those that Jafar says, fuck this episode, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I mean, the fact that I'm literally still got a little bit of a cough and I'm recovering from COVID just, I mean, I'm fine. You know, I just went through a round of disc golf. It's not like I've got any trouble breathing or anything, but I've got a little bit of a cough still. But, you know, that is heavy knowing that the last two years... If I had watched this as intently in 2019, I might go, oh, man, that's a really good warning tale. I bet you we could learn something from this episode. (sighs) 
And I would have been fucking wrong because we clearly can't learn anything as a society. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to hold off on rating for a moment. Um, But when we're watching this episode, just from absorbing from osmosis in the news and the atmosphere in the last three years, when they start describing the mechanics of the virus, Mm -hmm. part of me was like... "Mm." This feels really improbable. Like you have to do a little bit of head cannoning yeah. to accept the virus. Now, in the nineties, I wouldn't have had to do that because I didn't know shit about viruses. Yeah, and I've just absorbed just enough from the world to know that, like a hundred percent lethality, that doesn't spread very well. Typically, yeah, because people yeah. die too quickly. Which is actually exactly. something in JMS's notes because someone had said something like diseases like this don't exist. He's like, actually, <laughs> I talked to someone at the CDC and they do. Yeah. The problem with diseases like this when they develop is they tend to develop outside of modern medicine, right? Uh-huh. They in, out in the wild somewhere um, and they would just will wipe out an entire village before it has time to spread. Right. And right. we've seen this historically speaking time and time again. So I asked a friend of mine who's at another Greatest Gen community member mm-hmm. who happens to be a virologist oh. about this because I was like, eh, it's not passing my little sniff test. Like, I I obviously don't have a degree in that sort of thing. Yeah. But I was like, eh, what do you think? Because this person actually watches Babylon 5 as well. So, <laughs> yay. Nice. <laughs> he, he said, you know, I feel like it's plausible, but the 100% lethality within 24 hours is really unlikely unless there's another carrier species like you know um rats uh, mosquitoes carry the west nile yeah rats can carry the black plague you know i i head cannon around that a little bit like maybe this is a shadow disease yeah like i mean i i think that jms certainly wants to like lead us there with that idea is this a a weapon from somebody yeah but that would make it pretty difficult to transmit everybody freaking out about it being airborne well babylon 5 air should be filtered with something it should be going through uv or ozone or, yeah. or bleach or something when it's recycled so yeah you know um but he did say that this particular episode you know plague episode is more plausible than anything similar they've ever done on star trek it passes his hurdles as an actual professional in the study Terrifying. of viruses, better than any Star Trek. <laughs> cool. Similar episode. I guess a lot yeah. of the Star Trek ones, they always hop species, mm-hmm. which would be very unlikely. Right, right. It's not easy for a disease to hop species necessarily. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I really think that this episode absolutely nails mm-hmm. is everything social. The, yeah. The reactions of people around the, uh, you know, we we want to believe or we did want to believe that there wouldn't be such extremist religious like, no, it couldn't possibly be. But uh, <laughs> I think we've all seen that there will always be those types out there that yeah. believe that righteousness will somehow save them from disease. I mean, it's happening again, literally right now with monkeypox. Right. Monkeypox is mostly impacting the gay community in America, Mm -hmm. specifically gay men. Sound familiar? And (laughs) even though we have literally, uh, we have a vaccine, we started with a vaccine. We've had a vaccine for years for monkeypox and we have thousands Mm -hmm. of it in storage. 
we just aren't prioritizing its distribution oh, yeah. or its availability to the point of negligence. Like it, it is on purpose. Uh, yeah. And I don't even mean that in a conspiracy theory way. We're just not taking it seriously to the point where uh, people should be held responsible. And it's, it's a time and time again thing. And that's, you know, the most heartbreaking part of this episode is that the social responses are so accurate yeah. to me. Like, <laughs> is you know, our episode the... title going to just be fuck this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not against that. You know what? <laughs> hmm. <sighs> yeah. I'll pitch it. I'll pitch it to the editor. <laughs> yeah. See how he feels. Make sure it passes the sniff test. Mm-hmm. Gets past the network without notes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if I have to throw a rating on this, because you know me, I, I do try to throw a rating on it. I give this one a four just because of how effective it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's very good at making me feel bad. It, that is its mm-hmm. job, and it did its job very well. But fuck mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah, I, I think that's very accurate and very <laughs> uh, warranted. <sighs> so, how do you feel? You feel okay? Yeah, I feel fine. I'm I'm okay. Like both from yeah. the episode and recovering, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, glad to have you back. Who's not fine? Are the Narn, as we find out in our next episode, season two, episode nineteen, the Long Twilight Struggle. A final bloody battle determines the outcome of the Narn Centauri conflict, and signals an even greater threat to all civilization. Oof. I'm pretty sure the cover of my season two episode guide is from this next episode. Oh, yes. I think it's that it's, one. I'm not going to say right. what's on there on the mm-hmm. off chance I'm wrong and it's spoilers because it is spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. But it sure looks like, I, I mean, we're running out of episodes yeah. that that shot could be from anyway. So yeah, we're coming up on the end of season two here pretty quick. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this episode was a bummer. <laughs> but but Jeremy Siegel's great. Jeremy Siegel's great. He wrote our lovely theme music. I don't know why I assumed I was going to meet him at Star Trek Las Vegas. I had no idea. Oh, I had nothing to base it on whatsoever. I'm just like, oh, Jeremy Siegel will be there. Uh, yeah, I wish he was. <laughs> next time. Uh, right. Next time. Uh, Jeremy, next time. If you're listening, Jeremy, next time. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I will buy you a $30 daiquiria by the pool. <laughs> As a thank you for our lovely theme music, you can listen to more of Jeremy's music at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Deck Time Machine on Instagram for our lovely podcast artwork. And go ahead and join our community on Discord. Shoot us an email. We'll do a mailbag in a couple of weeks. Oh, you should start sending us your season two thoughts. We should start asking for those because we've got a season two recap episode coming up in a month or so. Yeah. It'll be number 50, episode number 50. Yeah. And yeah, it's it'll be in October. So get those thoughts in now, please. Yeah, we'd love to discuss and read your emails uh, about season two and your thoughts on season two. So please send those our way. And then any other stuff you want to talk about that's not necessarily season two specific, we will save those for our next mailbag segment. Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. I don't remember if I said it, so I'm just going to get in there really quick. We'll see you next week, Internet. Bye. Bye.